Welcome to the HR Heroes podcast, where we bring you the latest information to help business owners, entrepreneurs, and managers manage their team through COVID-19 and beyond. Listen in as we share leading edge information with experts across a variety of fields, from HR to legal, from negotiation to mental health, and so much more to help you not just survive, but thrive through the pandemic. And here now is your host, Natasha Hawker. Welcome back, Graham. Let me start by asking you. So what are the risks to business owners and managers if they do nothing where they see that a team member might be um, struggling? Well, the CSIRO recently identified that rising work stress is the greatest, one of the top risks to employers in the next 20 years. That was before COVID-19. Now, you can put it on steroids now. So it is a big financial risk, um, the cost of losing a good employee, the cost of uh, recruiting a new employee. These are all costs you'd be familiar with. The loss in productivity, the risk with customers, um, and, and, and the legal risk, you know, the legal obligation is that employers provide a mentally healthy and physically healthy environment. That's the legal obligation. Yep, duty of care. Duty of care. If a business owner or a manager suspects something, how can they actually help? Uh, Well, just having that conversation that I mentioned before, you know, following that eye care framework, that is really it. You know, it's asking, are you okay? If you think about it in three stages, it's, Identifying the signs, you know, changes in behaviour, asking with compassion, are you okay? If they admit that, um, you know, they're struggling, number step three is to guide them to help. And guide them to help is to encourage them to see a professional, to keep them connected with their workmates and encourage that if possible. And thirdly, to encourage them to exercise. So that's really the three steps that, any employer, any person needs to keep in to. mind to, to help someone who's in the red zone. So have you seen any businesses doing this really well? Um, and if you do have an example you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll use one large organisation and one smaller organisation. Um, large organisation is Lend-Lease. Um, they've always had the Lend-Lease Foundation. And they always had this sort of mission for a long, long time. Like this isn't a recent... Before it was trendy. Way, way before it was trendy. Like for, you know, I think the original founder was a guy called Dick Dusseldorf and it was, it was his vision that, you know, basically led to this. So I think they put 5% of their profits or 10% of their profits into this foundation. And that foundation invests in um, employees and also the community. So they have trained, and I don't know the latest figures, but they've trained something like 4,000 of their people to be mental health first aiders. So just unbelievable commitment. They've also, um, you know, looked at innovative um, EAP services, getting away from the broken old model, which just relies on uh, people calling in distress, trying to catch people before they get to that stage. So that's a big game changer. Um, They've done lots of great things around physical health. There are lots of outside workers, builders. They 
regularly monitor, you know, lesions and all that sort of stuff. So they just really show a, a culture of care. So they have the, you know, the, the mental health first aiders, and they've got 4,000 trained, which is a lot of people, um, and innovative services that people can access and more wellbeing coaching services rather than the traditional crisis employee assistance program. So that's, that's a, a, a large organisation that's done this really well. Um, a small organisation that's done this really well is a, is a company called Connor Menswear. And honestly, that's a company that's in crisis now. Like every retail, they have um, probably, I think, about 200 retail shops around Australia um, specialising in good quality clothes for men <laughs> and, and well priced. So they did, they did research wanting to have a social impact about four years ago, asking their customers, asking their employees what they were passionate about improving or do, having doing something about. And it came back mental health and they ended up choosing Are You OK? Mm. And, um, and so carrying on that momentum, they said, well, how could we help Are You OK? And it was actually, you know, the young um, employees, because their employees are typically 18 to 25. And, and by the way, their parents love that uh, the employer was championing this cause. But it was the young employees that came up with this idea, which you can see on the back of my wallet, the Are You OK um, phone sleeve. Fabulous. So, they, and on the phone sleeve is a thing that has all the crisis lines, has the crisis lines. Great. <laughs> and it has the four-step are you okay conversation. And so all their employees learned about doing that. All their employees learned about, you know, looking out for signs with their customers. And their employees came up with the idea of creating these wallops. And what they did was that the employees, after serving people, say, you know, we um, l love to su um, support, are you okay? Thank you for your service. We'd like to give you this as a gift, um, you know, this phone wallet. Would you like to make a donation? And, of course, 95% of people, people do. Mm. They now raise enough money each year, COVID-19 crisis aside, yep to pay for all Are You OK's ambassadors, flying mm -hmm. them everywhere. They, they contribute, Natasha, almost $700,000 a year. But, but it's come from the DNA of the organisation. Um, and, you know, I sincerely hope that that helps get them through the crisis because, as you would know, anyone in retail has just been absolutely... Oh, decimated, decimated. And what, what we do know and what I love about both those stories is that creates a highly engaged workforce. 100%. And engagement is the measure of discretionary effort. And for those businesses that have engagement levels of 75% and above, the research says I think they get 21% more productivity and 20% more profit. What have you personally taken from living through the COVID-19 experience to date? Um, that's a good question. I, well, for a start, I've just been surprised at how overwhelmed with contact. Like, you know, before this, um, I used to have to reach out to people, you know, and I've just been amazed at the incoming and mm. to the point that I'm just having back-to-back -back Zoom calls all day. Quite frankly, 
it's exhausting. It I'm is really, exhausting. I'm really pleased that there's a weekend approaching because I need to seriously practice a bit of self-care. Um, and uh, But that's been the biggest change is just what was once seen as discretionary is now seen as essential. Mm, mm. Love it. I remember, and I'm going to probably get it wrong, but you'll probably remember what I'm talking about. You, when, when I heard you speak, you talked about a glass. Mm. Can you share that example? I remember it being very helpful. I can't remember the details of it, and I know that our listeners would like it. Yeah, so I talk about um, our well-being and resilience, and there's three different components of that. It's made up of three glasses, and the first glass is vitality, which is our physical health. The second glass is intimacy, our emotional health. And the third glass is prosperity or our contribution health. So the top glass of water is exercise, good sleep, good rest, eating well. The intimacy is having caring and supportive relationships around us, you know, both ways. Mm. The, pros- the prosperity is the contribution. It's what we contribute in our career, in our work with charities and schools and sports clubs. And it's not enough to have one full cup. We really have to work at each of those, each of those cups and consciously each day think, what can I do to top up, you know, the, the vitality glass, the intimacy glass, the prosperity glass. And I say to people, you need to act like a VIP. <laughs> you need to act like a VIP. And act like a VIP is making sure you top up that vitality, the intimacy, the prosperity. And the people, I've actually put together a, a self-care VIP snapshot. And it's a one-page assessment to help you understand what are your mood vampires? What is contributing to your class being empty? And if people go to, there's a free, can be accessed free from my website, which is at grahamcowan.com.au forward slash self-care. And uh, if you put that in the show notes, people can access that diagnostic. And then there's also a weekly planner there. The the self-care VIP weekly planner, which has those categories and talks about what am I doing this week and when am I going to schedule it in? It's a one-pager as well. So really practical tool to put that idea into action. That's excellent. Changing tack slightly, if you had not ended up doing what you do now, what would you, and say you could do anything, what would you have preferred to be? You Because sort of, often I think we fall into our careers, especially early on. Way back when, when Graham was, I don't know, 12, 14, 16, 18, what did you really want to be that you haven't ended up doing? I wanted to be a park ranger. <laughs> and it started even earlier. Um, when, I was for, when I was like five, my best mate, I lived in a country town called Tari. My best mate was uh, Neil Power and his father was a, was a national park ranger. And so on, on school holidays, we used to have our holidays going out in the bush and swimming in streams. And I just thought that was the best job you could ever imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, I, although I've never pursued that as a career, it's an incredible passion of mine. Like I walk in national parks all over Australia, all over the world. I just love it. And I live right beside um, Lane Cove National Park and I walk in the park every day. So even though it's not my profession per se, like it's a key element to keep myself in, in it's, a, it's a key self-care strategy for me. 
I love that. And I know I've travelled vicariously through you. Uh, your last trip through Tassie with a couple of mates looked like fabulous. Uh, was it fresh and air? Uh, that one was the the overland track, so that's the six day one where you have to carry all your stuff. So that was. I think everywhere was, else in Australia was burning, and you were getting yeah. snow and rain. I yeah, seem to remember. That's right. We were walking through snow when the fires were happening in uh, in Sydney. You know, just wow. amazing. Last question for you: Who has been your best boss to date, and what made them a great boss? Uh, yeah, I had when I was. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I, I had a boss called Jack Omani, and it was when I'm I, my first job was with Johnson and Johnson, which was a very good company, but really hierarchical at that time. I don't know if it still is, but really hierarchical. And I went to Helmedica, which was a division of Pfizer, and uh, Jack Omani was the boss. And he hired me as the marketing manager, and at that stage, I'd never travelled in a plane for work. I'd never travelled interstate or anything like that. And week two, he said, um, I'd like you to go to Tasmania and run this uh, trade show for me. And I said, me? Are you, me? Are you kidding? And, and, and anyway, so I thought about it and, and um, I said, well, if Jack thinks I can do it, I'll give it a shot. You know, I'll give it a shot. And I gave him a best shot and did a pretty good job. And I think that was the element about Jack. There was that. He always treated you one level above what you were. Mm. And I think that's gold uh, for an employee, one level above what they are. And he practiced by a very simple rule, the golden rule. He always asked himself, how would I want to be treated in this place before he spoke to an employee, a supplier, what have you. And uh, he went on to be the global leader for that company, Helmetica, and then became the global leader for Cochlear in Australia as well. So, you know, he went a long way. That's a brilliant story. So my final, final question, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with that we haven't covered? Um, I, I think, um, you know, it is a chance to, while we're at home, to reflect on what is, what is really important. And, uh, you know, I think what I've learned through Are You OK? and through everything else um, and through this crisis is that, and there's a saying, and it's disputed who said it, but the, the saying is, be kind. Everyone you meet is finding a, fighting a hard battle. Mm-hmm. And I 100% agree with that because, because I've told my story publicly, people feel comfortable telling me their story. And it blows my mind every time what people confide publicly. So mm-hmm. you have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. Even people that you think... Have got it all together. You think have got the perfect life, you just don't know. You just don't know. So give people the benefit of the the doubt and, um, you know, be caring, be helpful and go for the growth zone. That would be my recommendation. Brilliant. Um, I do want to leave our listeners with, I have read both uh, Graham's book, Back from the Brink and Back from the Brink 2, and I highly, highly recommend them. Um, so, you know, especially during this time, I think uh, either if you're experiencing it, read Back from the Brink, and if you're a carer or you suspect you might be needing to care, read, read Back from the Brink too, but they are excellent resources, very practical. Um, Graham, I would like to thank you so generously for sharing your um, story with us for the benefit of others. 
Um, as always, I learn from you every time. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you who'd like to talk to you further? Uh, probably via LinkedIn, actually. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, so reach out there, uh, send me a message, any questions, very happy. I'm very, very active there. I'm there every day. So that's probably the best way to uh, connect. Wonderful. Thank you. I keep saying to everyone, stay well. And, you know, as much as I love seeing you on Zoom, uh, I'll look forward to our next coffee catch up on the other side of the pandemic. Thank you and have a great day. Thanks, Natasha. You've been listening to the HR Heroes podcast with Natasha Walker. And if you would like access to the episode notes and other resources or to find subscription options, you can find us at employeematters.com.au forward slash podcast. The HR Heroes podcast is proud to be lifetime members of B1G1.